welcome to this episode of 10,000 Posts. It's the show about how everything is posting. My name is Hussain. You can follow me at HKizvani, where I'm probably going to spend the next couple of days talking about how sick I am again. Hi, I'm Phoebe. You can follow me on Twitter at PRHRoy. I am still sick. I've been sick for like 10 days now. I'm so, I'm so unhappy. I'm at the, I'm at the beginning stages. Oh, um, good. My wife is currently trying to figure out whether she has COVID or not. So uh, the outcome of that is yet to be. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out soon. Um, but it is also just a season where everyone's getting like little flus and everything. So, um, you know, the, the return of the raspy voice podcast is something that I'm looking forward to. <laughs> um, I think I'll add like some depth to it. Just before we intro our very cool guest, uh, uh, this is a free episode and thank you very much for listening. If you want to listen to more content, we have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash 10k post podcast. Uh, we have a lot of really good episodes on there and all the support that you give us helps us to run this show and we all, all really appreciate that. Um, and now for this uh, today's episode's guest, uh, we're joined by Sarah Manavis who writes on technology and culture and who's like work you've probably seen in the New Statesman, but she also writes for a bunch of other places, including the iPaper. We're going to talk about a piece that she published for the I recently. Uh, Sarah, how's it going? It's good. Thanks for having me. Did I get your last name right? Because I yeah, remember... You did. I, I, yeah. know, I know that I'm such a... Actually, can you swear on this podcast? Or is yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can say what you like. That. But I, <laughs> like, I really find that, because I actually like my last name. Sorry, this mm. is so boring. I like my last name, but um, I think all the iterations of it, other than the way you pronounced it, are very ugly. So mm. I was very pleased to hear. Okay, I'm glad, because I think the last time we spoke or met or whatever, it was like, the, I got your surname wrong. And ever since then, I'm like, next time I meet Sarah, I have to get it right. Yeah, it's um, disrespectful to Greek culture to not get my surname Right, and I don't want to like anger more people than I already do. <laughs> so, yeah, I so. think it's disrespectful to Greek culture to <laughs> spell my name incorrectly as well, which happens all the time. Yeah, don't... The dread EO. <laughs> I get so... I know it's charged. I get so angry when I see it. Still, still, it's just not, it's just not that hard. It's just a simple diphthong. Simple diphthong. Just bear in mind, yeah, for all for all your friends called Phoebe, just remember, like, you know, get get the spelling right. It's uh, important. Sorry, if you do have any friends called Phoebe, sorry, but they're not called that. They have to think of a different name. It's my name. Okay, fair enough. That's that's the statement on the pod as well. <laughs> Everyone called Phoebe has to change their name. Uh, yeah. because they're okay, there can only be one. Unfortunately, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, we've got like a really good show coming up. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this one. But I'm also looking forward to like it is very rare that I look forward to uh discussing one of the like the really the looking forward to like one of the openers. This thread I sort of saw um I haven't had much time to like look and investigate on posts recently because I have like a day job now. Boring. Um, but every so often people send stuff to me or I just see it out in the wild. And this one I saw in the wild, but I also saw in the wild because there were loads of people getting mad about it. So I'm going to read this thread out right now. Um, and both of you have seen this and mm -hmm. I'd just be interested in like getting your immediate sort of like takes and reactions to it before we sort of go into like why I think people are sort of angry about it. So this, uh, thread begins how to steal someone's boyfriend, a Fred. Um, I'm going to read a few out. It's like, it, it, it's uh, longish. Let's, let's see how it goes. Uh, it starts off by saying, everyone knows that all good, all, all good men are in a relationship. The available men are available because there's something wrong with them. That leaves you a single woman with a desire to start a family with only one option, stealing someone else's boyfriend. The most important thing to start out with is maintaining a plausible deniability. Don't be upfront. Just enter his sphere as a friend. Talk only a little about your other dates, about your family, hobbies. Find out what he likes and get interested in those things. Dig about his current relationship. As a woman, you know how it feels to be sad and frustrated. 
So help him to channel that negative energy. Find out what his girlfriend is doing wrong and make him fixate on it. But remember, plausible deniability. Don't say anything bad about yourself. Um, it kind of goes on for a bit. Uh, I'll read like a few of like the. I'll, I'll read a few of like the last points out. Um, if it just can't be helped, you have to show your immeasurable guilt and shame and force him to break up with her. He can't see you as easy. You must show that you have morals and values and hate breaking your moral code. You just, you were just overwhelmed with passion for him. The only problem remains his ex-girlfriend. You've done the job correctly. She kind of hates him anyway. And now you're free to drop her out of her life, uh, drop her, drop her out of her life before making your shiny new relationship public. Um, goes on for a little bit longer. Uh, a very important part of all this is no one can know what happened and or else the relationship is publicly tainted. People will think bad things about your future family and will affect your pro progeny for generations. So wait a few months before making it public. Um, I feel like I missed out the bit where you actually steal the boyfriend. Um, so while I try to find that. It's a step-by-step -step guide. Yeah, kind of. I think, so the impression that I sort of got from this is that like you are just supposed to kind of be a little bit friendly to him and sort of make put it in his mind that his current girlfriend might not be as friendly to him as you can be and that's where you still like so it feels like quite simple advice but i don't really know sarah you saw this thread uh what what did you think about it and what did you think about the advice i think that this is like the only type of content on twitter that is good anymore like <laughs> it was so it was so detailed i think like obviously it's like extremely funny and it's built to be funny but obviously people got like very angry about it um taking it seriously but i think what makes it good is that like you 1000 percent can see that this could work like i just know so many men in my own life who i'm like oh i could 100 percent do this to them um and that's like why i that's like why i was like oh wow this is like really good there's been time and effort put into this but the joke also lands so i, I think this right. is 10 out of 10 yeah no notes I, I i honestly i think this is like a perfect thread I found a bit of the advice just before we go into like more Fred dissection of um of how to steal the have how to steal the boyfriend. So when we get to the advice section and she goes, as you get closer to him, ask him to introduce you to his girlfriend, either online or in real life. Get close to her and start sowing the seeds of discord between them. Make it seem like he lied or did something stupid or said something bad about her. Make it seem like you're on her side. Um, but as you're simultaneously destroying the confidence in their relationship and also being their only comfort, things are going to get tricky. He's going to make a move, but you cannot let yourself be the other woman. He has to break up with her before physical stuff happens. Um, there's also like a bit where she goes, as you dig deeper into his relationship, mold your personality to his alleged likes and dislikes. If his girlfriend's argumentative, be agreeable. If his girlfriend's dumb, be intelligent, girl boss. Uh, does she, does he like the way she cooks? Say me too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Phoebe, what do you want? What if his what, girlfriend what, what, is smart? Then do you, have to, do you have to be dumb? I guess so. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. It feels, this is the thing, because like the advice section, this is why I'm, I was like, I don't know if this warrants Is this being... the dialectic? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know whether it warranted so many people being mad about it. Um, because like the advice isn't even so specific, but it's like, oh, someone could follow this guide and it could be a threat. It is literally just like kind of, but, you know, it, it assumes that the, the, the boy, the, the kind of man in the relationship uh, is kind of tired of his girlfriend anyway. Um, and so you just sort of need to kind of be something that he finds exciting. And it's just like, well, this is just like, this isn't like, this isn't, you know, ingenious advice. This is fairly kind of self-explanatory. I kind of think that this is like 
the perfect Twitter bait though. I feel like everybody who's getting mad is obvious. And there's like so many layers to get mad about. Like you can get mad about the fact that it's like encouraging her to grade her, degrade herself and like limit her own personality for someone else. It can be like, you're being unfeminist by like, like there's just so many layers, which like a really serious type of person can take the bait and fall for it. And that's where I find it perfect is that it doesn't really have to be good advice. It just has to be crafted in that particular way and look serious for enough people to like quote tweet it into oblivion. I will hold my hands up here and say that I was, I, I didn't participate in the discourse because I never participate in the discourse. <laughs> that is one of my one of my life rules that served me very well. Um I gave up the discourse in 2019. I never looked back. Um I it it wound me up. It did seeing it. I didn't I did not I did not care for it. Um and I also didn't get immediately that it was a joke until I saw the follow up with the if you've read this thread, here's how to stop your boyfriend being stolen. Then I was like, okay, you know what? Fine, fine, fine. No, you got me. You got you 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 you, you, you got me good. Um, but the reason it um it it bothered me is that I just I just know too many women who I think would do this. That's and I think it's honestly I think it's I I. I really really don't want to use the word trauma so i'm not going to but it is j- but it was it ga- it gave me some girl school flashbacks shall we say and also um because um because my my partner is a very nice man and this and he would definitely um be like oh no no she's nice she just wants to be friends while well, i'm just like oh fucking up see her um <laughs> not not that obviously i would never interfere with his with any of his friendships but you know how sometimes you know what someone is up to and you don't want to say it because it makes you look mental <laughs> but she is doing she's doing the plausible deniability can you tell that this that something quite similar happened quite recently um, <laughs> um, I'm not going to go into details on Mike. I'll tell you when we've I'll tell you when we've stopped recording. Um, but yeah, I think that I it, it was it was more that like as soon as I got that it was a joke, I was a bit like yeah, but what what's what for, what for like is that like is there somebody who enjoys upsetting people and making them feel insecure about their relationships? Because if it is, then mm. I, I just I simply didn't I simply didn't care for it. I just I just I just did not care for it. The only one that I thought was that I thought was uh, unpleasantly accurate, and particularly unpleasantly accurate, since I think it's really important not to let um, feminism get kind of sublimated into kind of like men posting because uh, men posting is like quite often like really sadistic and really like. Not it's not even kind of man hating specifically because it's quite often obsessed with men. Mm. But yeah. like I remember like I remember like a few years ago there being a kind of like all the stuff about the all the stuff which just kind of sort of amounted to men should not be poor. Um and there was and there was another thing a few days ago with this woman who was saying that she hates homeless men. And that she hope and she hopes they all die in the winter. And that to me does not seem like an especially good use of um 
good use of feminism. But then again, when someone says something like, if he is in his, if he is a certain age and he is single, that means there is something wrong with him. It's it's not untrue. It, it's not entirely, completely untrue. And this is certainly something that I, and again, I'm just basing it on my own experience and the experience of female friends, who uh, women who date men, certainly, that if a, if a man has got to a certain age, particularly the kind of age where lots of people start thinking about children, if they're going to, like, if, they, if, they, if that's something that they want. And if the woman who's been with them since they're, like, early 20s has, been, has decided, no, 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 I'm not going to stick this one out. I'm going to cut my losses and try and find someone else, even at the age of, like, 32 or something. You just think, Okay, there's something really, really wrong with him then, because why not? Why not stick it out with this one, bird in the hand, etc. Um, so yeah, even though I try to kind of like, I try to kind of say, no, 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 we're not doing ermen posting. Sometimes ermen posting is is correct, and this is one of the, <laughs> this is one of those this is one of those times. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I I thought I thought the thing about the the whole thing being to promote her toothpaste. I thought that well, was funny. Yeah. yeah, that is extremely funny. I was just <laughs> that, like that, that. That really landed with me. But like, I had to get through all of the other kind of like. She makes sort of getting you, madder and madder. She makes sort <laughs> of like the toothpaste yeah. one. She makes sort of natural toothpaste, and I thought that she was sort of one of those like kind of uh trad sub kind of groups of uh yeah you know just like the ones who are kind of like. They, their whole sort of online identity right now is like being anti seed oil. Um, I don't think that she is like that, but like she certainly kind of is aware of their existence. So a lot of her other posts are just like basically trolling like those types of men and the men who kind of like love to talk about being high value uh, online. But yeah, I mean, like it's very clear that from her post that she is sort of just like trolling. And but as like a troll thread, this worked really, really well. Um, Oh yeah, no, I'm not saying it's just yeah. I just I just quest I just question the emotional and spiritual value of executing a good troll. Like it probably amuses you for a day or two, but is it worth it? It kind of does. Yeah, it sort of does get exhausting generally. Like, and we've talked about this with like many other. Yeah, friends. I, yeah go, sorry, go, go ahead, Sarah. No, I was just going to say that. Like, I think that there is like limited value to trolling and trolling for the sake of trolling. I think what I enjoyed about this was that I think it was like, there's no, like, I think there's like a certain type of trolling that there are actually like real harms mm. at the end of it. And I guess you could say that like, technically someone could take this advice and it probably would work um, on a certain mm. type of man. And that's the real harm. But I, in my view, I thought this is just quite funny. It's, uh, there's a certain ring of truth in each of the tweets yeah. in this thread. And again, to have it be selling like charcoal toothpaste yeah, at the no, end of no, it no, just no, no, felt no, like no, no, the no. perfect like. No, you're, 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 absolutely, you're absolutely right. That is that is funny. I mean, like honestly, I still am not fully convinced that it was meant to be a joke. Not at first, anyway. No, it sort of exists in like both. It kind of exists in both. And I think Sarah, like you, sort of like mentioned it, where it's like this is a thread which like is certainly written in a way that is designed to kind of like get attention. Um, and maybe that attention was like much more than like this woman expected. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe she kind of knew exactly what was going to happen. And I think there's like something quite interesting in that too. And in terms of like the decision to execute a troll, when you sort of know that like it's written in such a way that I, I mean, again, like I think that whenever you sort of do a troll post on somewhere like Twitter, 
even if it's like the most low energy repetitive troll and i'm certainly speaking from personal experience here um you will have like a small percentage of people that will always fall for it mm. and the first couple is like oh that's so funny i keep getting them you pat yourself on the back but then after a while you're just like uh what was the point of that like you could have done something else like it, the, I, and I think like the more you do it, the the kind of less, the less like endearing it gets. But in this instance, it was like people who are kind of on like the quote tweets are just like filled with people who are sort of calling her like an anti-feminist. They're using a lot of sort of misogynistic slurs against her. Which they're is like, ironic if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's definitely one of those things where I was like, oh, well, you know. Um, and I don't know, there's a lot of there are a lot of kind of quote tweets in there which kind of did treat this thread not as like an obvious troll. Uh, like in a low e- like a low effort obvious troll but just like oh this is someone who is actually like giving people advice on how to be threatening right and how and i wonder whether like there is that thing where like the kind of look and aesthetic of a certain kind of post regardless of like the context it comes from and regardless of its intention is kind of then just considered to be a threat regardless of like its content and so the kind of like outrage towards this was much more to do with the idea that like you know, she might not be trying to steal your boyfriend, but there are certainly people who will like use that advice and like will do so. And you know, they, they could be everywhere. I don't know. Like, does that make any sense? I mean, or... it's it's not it's not. Yeah, so, sorry, it's Sarah, like, continue. No, you no. I was just going to say. I think it's kind of like like if she posted like, here's how you can click this link and you can like steal from my grandma's like pension <laughs> account or whatever. Like, I think there was this idea that there was like a real direct. Mm. Which is, which is not to say that there isn't, but like that there was this very, very clear, like kind of like you, you were saying where it was like, she was breathing this advice into the world and like, therefore people could take it and like wreak havoc mm. in that way um, through using it. Is that what you mean? Or no, no, I think that was else? exactly what I meant. You just put it better than I did. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I mean, like, I think because the, th- the thing is as well, is like we, because on the episode that uh, we uh, where we covered female dating strategy it's not so different from the kind of things mm, that yeah. you see uh, that you see in those sorts of in those sorts of spaces and so what so what i always feel about um particularly high effort trolls because this is a high effort troll it would have taken her a certain amount of time to do it i always think there's a kind of there is a kind of very specific arrogance built in which vastly overestimates your uh your personal impact on whatever posting space that you're like whatever posting space that you're in and i see this all the time where people do like a troll post and then it gets under the wrong noses and the first thing they say is anyone who looks anyone who know who knows anything about me would know that this was a joke and instead of thinking okay this must mean that no one knows anything about you and what's more they're not interested either they're just here to react and redistribute because that's how that's how the kind of posting dynamic works particularly on twitter they're not going to be looking down your timeline to see if you're joking they are seeing this they're seeing this tweet in a kind of hermetically sealed vacuum and why sh- and you know so say so say you're say you're an english person and you do a trolling tweet and an american comes across it and they start yelling at you because they think you're serious who like who's the like first but f- f- i mean first of all i don't yell at people on twitter because of, why would i do that i can't be bothered to do that for god's <laughs> sake uh, i've got you know i've got i've got three jobs so I, I can't i can't i can't be yelling at people on twitter um <coughs> 
not for free anyway. No, certainly not for free. No, no, no. In fact, there is uh, there is a, a, a tier on the Patreon. Um, <laughs> if you give us uh, $50 a month, I will yell at you on Twitter. I appreciate that's a specific... God, I'm so tempted to do that, but I don't think we should. I feel like we shouldn't do that. If you want to get, get dommed by me on Twitter, <laughs> then it'll cost you... Um, certainly a line we will not regret. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... I, yeah, I always, I always think it embodies a very particular kind of arrogance, particularly if the, particularly if the troll post is so close to what could be, what could be something completely sincere and something, and something completely real. And I remember there being, oh god, I remember there being a huge thing about this a few years ago, where somebody thought that somebody else's troll post was serious, and then started lecturing them about how. Um, how you uh, how you should word a joke to make it clear that you're joking, and it had like all of this advice for like you know misspelling words and stuff just to make sure that everyone knows that you're joking, and then it turned into of course it did jokes are ableist, of course it did, of course it did, of course it did, and naturally Natural naturally because that is where that yeah. is that is the nihilistic race to the bottom where things which are actually ableism don't matter and things which are not get discussed for days and days and days um which is really really fun for everyone but um but yeah i i sort of think i sort of think kind of on the one hand if you got got by a joke then you hold your hands up and you take the l i think that's what i think you you should sort of say okay fine no you know what fine you got me you got me whatever be good humored about it it because it really doesn't matter if you accidentally fall for a troll on twitter like there's no there's no negative material outcome for you if you, you just make yourself look a little little daft, which is, you know, it's a very unpleasant social experience, but it's by far not the worst one at all. I mean, you know, if you got your boyfriend stolen by this woman, then that would be much worse than <laughs> that would be much worse than was much worse than that. But so obviously don't start like yelling at the person who who got you good. But also if you're going to if you're going to troll then really, really enough of this. <gasps> Can't believe that people aren't familiar enough familiar enough with me, this very, very important person, um, to know that I'm to know that I'm trolling. So it's so I just think it I just think it's a way of I think trolling is a way of feeding into the addictive anxiety of social media because if you if you do a troll post, you can't just put your phone down and leave it because you don't know what you're coming back to. And this is definitely something that I like I like remember from when I was much more active posting and from when I occasionally do did the occasional trolling. Like one of the things that that worried me, that worried me and scared me was the idea of my post ending up on Nazi Twitter and getting lots of ads and DMs from Nazis, which mm. is something which, you know, frankly, do not do not want. I don't want that. Um, so as soon as something went off, I was having to kind of be kind of like hunched over my phone, like monitoring things so that I knew that I could either delete it or lock down like the second it looked like it was going to kind of spiral out of control. Like the idea of coming back six hours later and finding out that I had like, that I had like kind of apps full of Nazis was just like horrifying. So I, well, and I guess, oh, sorry, you got I was just like, I think the point of one of those posts as well is also the yeah. reaction. Like, I think that's kind of the difference, isn't it? So it's not the kind of post where you're doing it and then like walking mm -hmm. away, like the whole purpose of it. And I do think like, 
which we, I guess, we're sort of getting at a little bit, is that that whole shtick, like that being your entire shtick on Twitter, I think there's like a direct correlation with the number of those kind of like bait posts, especially ones that are like a meme within your own Mm. account, which I think can be funny. And like, I've definitely done that. And I know ones that other people do that I actually enjoy. Um, But I think there's a direct correlation with that and people who like need to have someone sit them down and like take the Twitter app off their phone (laughs) and just like make them go like, just like, it's like a touch grass correlation. (laughs) Um, So I just think that's, I think that's kind of the main problem, isn't it? It's like, to what end are you even doing this? And especially if you're doing this like all the time. Yeah, I I think it, I think it, it always strikes me as a way of not acknowledging how addicted you are to the anxiety. Um, And so you look for ways to energize the anxiety and like doing kind of like lots of trolling is like because I remember like last like the last troll post I did was um was it was around the time when there was lots of like um girl like girl boss stuff around Theresa May this is how long ago it was (laughs) um and I and I posted that and I posted like like I can't even remember the exact wording but it was something like it was something about um, Myra Hindley succeeding in a male-dominated field, and first of all, I thought it was funny. I was, I, it, it, it amused me, and that's and that's sort of all that. And you know, obviously, was trolling was trolling with it, and it made my account basically unusable for several days because I had people in my mentions saying, uh, "This is not funny." Do you realise that she killed children? And I was like, "Yeah, no, that's the yeah, no, mm, that's the that's the joke." That, that, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could argue the toss on whether or not it's a funny joke, but like, I do understand. I wasn't just like, I didn't just like Google women, and that's who, ca- and that's yeah. who like came up, like women who might be bad. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so like, I mean, I, I don't think that compulsive posters need more of an excuse to be tied to the <laughs> tied to the posting. Um, but like, but Hussein, as a um, as a far more inveterate troller. Uh, yeah, okay, fine. Um, like, does it, like, this is absolutely not a charged question. I'm genuinely interested yeah, in the sure. answer. Does it ever feel worth it? Or is there, like, part of you that, like, gets, like, a kind of real frisson when people start yelling at you? No, I think, as I mentioned earlier, when you do it and, like, you do get some sort of mad reactions, initially it is quite, like, there is something kind of funny about it, especially, like, if it is a bit, absurd or is this like oh how the hell can people like this is so strange how can people like believe it but then that like dies out really really quickly as what you end up realizing is that oh you now have to spend the entire day possibly longer having to deal with people who don't actually care whether you are trolling or not and don't really care about like humor or whether they've gotten they've got got they just want to yell at you and you've given them a really good excuse to do that and then you're like well okay so who really like won out of this um and i don't know again it's like very much like i've sort of got to the stage now where it's just like even the most low energy stuff kind of elicits that type of response partly out of the kind of and you know we'll get into this in the second section just like how platforms are structured and how once you sort of hit a certain number of followers it really doesn't matter like what you say like you're always going to have like a small number of people or you'll have a baseline number of people who will like actively misinterpret it um and so it doesn't become worth it and it is very much just you know like it's easy to forget but when you do remember it's like yeah it was like not worth doing this it was not worth ruining your entire day 
to sort of get like a cheap laugh. So what? Ki- so what keeps you doing it? Boredom mostly. Okay. <laughs> um, just like oh, it's, it's even like a muscle memory. It's just like oh, this like literally came into my head. You type it, and then as you type it, you just let out this sigh because you're just like, okay, okay now it's gonna get, it's gonna get numbers, but it wasn't worth it. If I for your next birthday, and this again, this is not a charge question. This is just a suggestion. <laughs> if I got you a special book that every time <laughs> they came into your head, you wrote it in the little book. I have a book. I do have a book, my little pocket book, which I carry out. Can we reinvent journaling? <laughs> I yes, I carry a little pocket book, and I do write in do the you, back of that pocket book. Do you write your posts in the pocket book? Sometimes I do. Yeah, do I you wrote... ever feel the urge to dis- to print them out and distribute them? <laughs> no, no, I don't, because like I use it as an actual like draft book sometimes. But it's more just like I'll sometimes think of things, and I'm like, oh, this is funny. This could be used for something, and I often forget about them. Mm. So the ones that do come online are just like ones that I literally think about online, and that's it. Sarah, what is your what's your tro- what's your trolling experience? Are you a, are you a reg- are you a regular on the troll farms or Sarah's not a troll. To be fair, I'm not. Yeah, and I think I I had a very <laughs> with, like which was kind of shocking to me, but I was it was during the winter lockdown, like the long 2021 yeah. one, and my boyfriend and I had taken a long weekend to do like nothing in our flats, but like not work for an extra few days, and we both said, why don't we just delete Twitter from our phones mm. for the weekend? And I've just never re-downloaded it on my phone since then in February 2021. And I think that really did. And then and I I was saying this to you as well, saying like I kind of just keep office hours for Twitter. Like I'll look at it during the working day. I do not look at it during the weekend. Um and so I think I have developed like a much healthier relationship with it. I don't think I ever had like a very unhealthy relationship with it. However, I agree that like my favorite time on Twitter was when I had probably like 800 mm-hmm. followers. I think that's actually the best number of followers to have on that app because you have enough people engaging with you. A huge number of those people will be people you're familiar mm-hmm. with. And you can create like a network, like you meet people you like, you can meet, you can actually make real friendships, that kind of thing. And like do jokes and people get it, but it's never or very rarely is it going to get like out of yeah. control. And so I think actually my like greatest like shit posting era would have been when I was like sub 1k I'm at like 20k now or whatever um but and also like when I then joined the new states and I did kind of have to think like and and uh a few times did get pulled up by my editors saying we saw this tweet and can you get rid of it um and Mm. that did sort of just hem me in a little bit and like again if you have a bad experience one time where you post something and it gets out of control then it's, it's not actually fun and it can be like extremely mm-hmm. stressful, um, especially if it gets like really, really out of control. And so I think I've had a very limited experience. And I've like learned my lessons from it, I would say. The only type of trolling post I think I still do is I do like doing like, there's a, there's a post going around today where someone's like an American who's in London tweeted like, London is the cheapest city in Europe. Like I was able to get an Uber for $8 and like a pint for $3. And like, obviously British people are like losing their (laughs) shit about it. And that's the only type of thing I like doing is being like, I put half and half in my tea. Like, is that good? And then like people obviously get mad. And so that's the only type of trolling I enjoy yeah. doing now. Is I did, yeah, yeah. I thought, like, honestly, I, I, saw, I saw that on the I saw on the way over here, and I actually thought, I actually thought, uh, you know what? This is funny. This is this is this is <laughs> funny. Like I'll like, I'll get I'll give him this. This is this is hilarious. It's perfect. It's like also like the New York Times like baiting mm. British people like every couple of weeks, which again like limited value. However, I think that's like a good bait mm. to do. Um, I think intercontinental bait mm. is fine. Yeah. 
like the World what, Cup. Instant continental uh, bait, I think, is fine. What I don't like is when people from people from the UK kind of sub like kind of sublimate themselves to it and then and like sort of start saying like yeah no you're right americans this is normal island no 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 that's <laughs> pathetic have some dignity like you got to fight back got to fight back on that front say something about the hot sauce i was <laughs> i was made aware two weeks ago that jonathan pie makes funny videos for the new yeah. york times which is like something i was not aware of um that has somehow passed me by um and yeah, I just think anything of that ilk of like feeding into that kind of like, have I got news for you kind of ho, 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 look at our silly little mess on our windy little yeah. island um, is, yeah, that is, that's actually the only time where it's <laughs> yeah. not fun because that is like the most insufferable thing. Uh, yeah, planet. I remember people getting very angry when an, Amer- when an American was <laughs> saying that they didn't like going to Europe because you can't get ice. And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, the thing is about that, some of those posts really that you funny. guys... Some of those posts, while while I understand the outrage, I also understand the motivation to post them. <laughs> I'm like quietly like reading some Matt Iglesias tweets and just thinking like I can't publicly agree with this, but he's actually onto something here. <laughs> and it is like he it was like the washing machine thing or the dryer, mm. like people not yeah, yeah like yeah you know what like I will I I will I never I will never. I will never, I will never simp for the Americans. My um, rivalry, my American friends, is um, you know, is is equal and good natured. But I'm absolutely not doing any kind of uh, norm, normal island. Please, please invade us, Mr. Biden stuff. No, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> oh but I thought that the way that British people were pretending that. Uh, that a tumble dry isn't a vastly superior way of drying your clothes was very very funny <laughs> like people being like no 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 no. we dry our clothes outside and they all sounded like they all sounded like um like 60 year olds on facebook like um like posting a picture of like a garden hose saying like if this came out every summer uh then then you're not a snowflake or words to that effect um uh, because like okay fine if you can dry your clothes outside, like obviously that's like, that's the best. That's the best way of doing it, obviously, both for the environment and because it makes your clothes smell nicer. But sure. like, mo- like most people, most people in London don't have much in the way of outdoor space. And I am um, a very, very uh, precious, fragile, fragile angel baby. And after having after living in many, many rented houses that didn't have a tumble dryer, I have got, I've become slightly phobic of both the smell and feel of clothes horse dried material. It is weird. Like that very, that it's like somewhere between like, somewhere between mildew and washing powder that like, <laughs> it doesn't matter how warm your house is. On a clothes horse, they just they and they stiffen in a weird way. And then I moved into a place that had a tumble dryer, and now I can't I can't go back. I've been I've been spoiled. I'm the first I'm the first cave dweller who's seen a wheel, and I've just and it, I can't <laughs> I can't go back to the walking everywhere. I can't do it. I can't. I do also think there's like an ice deficit on this planet. <laughs> I actually agree with an that. An ice as well. deficit. Can you say more about this? I just think you get ice. You just get ice and everything. And it just makes most soft drinks much better. It's just nice to have 
you get ice with everything and it's hard to explain and it's obviously a weird tangent to me to <laughs> yeah i feel like we should scrap the rest yeah. of the episode and talk about the ice, about ice. Yeah. the ice deficit but, yeah that- you get ice with everything here, don't you? Uh, I know. Mm. I I appreciate what, that I'm what? getting dragged into it, even though I said that we should. I don't. I don't think you do in most places. I think you actually have to ask for it in a lot of places. No, they ask you. Mm, I, I, if you get like a soft drink in a pub or a bar, they always ask you. Me and you go to very different places, I think, because I like I I've got to ask sometimes. Like, do you have ice? Yeah, and but that, ha- yeah. well, that's because you go into pubs and ask for a coffee. No, I ask for like soft. And anyway, look, I feel like we're going to get too much in the weeds. We have like, um, and we do have the talk about Sarah's article, which I think like touched on some of the bits. We 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 touched on some of the bits in that conversation. But Sarah, you wrote a very interesting article recently um, <clears throat> for the Eye. It was called "Everything." One second, everything on the internet looks the same. The feverish quest for engagement is to blame. Um, number one, was that supposed to rhyme? Uh, and number two, uh, can you like for people who haven't read the piece, which will be linked in the show notes, what kind of brought you to like, what were you kind of noticing that led you to write this? So firstly, I never write the headline, so I can never be to blame for them being good or bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, like what, like that piece really had been on my mind for a while. Um, and it was kind of initially the my Instagram experience was like, what was drawing me to it? Like, I also should say that like, I was someone who like wrote about TikTok before, like it was even called TikTok. It was like when it was lively, but I like also deleted the the TikTok app from my phone in 2020 even, and have not looked back. And that has also like vastly improved mm. my, um, my entire life. Um, but yeah, like on Instagram particularly, which is like the one platform I would say that I like still kind of enjoyed, like I didn't have to limit my time on it. Um, it was mostly people I knew or most, or like, if it wasn't, it was someone who like I'd actively sought out to follow. Like I didn't have a lot of like, uh, kind of like boring or like work related, anything like that. It was like a nice personal space, but just increasingly, especially this summer, it just, I was getting, obviously the way everybody was, was getting way more video. Um, the motivations for that are very clear. Um, but also the videos were just, even though I wasn't really looking at them and I was obviously not seeking them out in any way but they were all coming up. Like I was noticing memes in suggested posts. Like I was noticing memes and the memes were like Shein versus Zara. Like, okay, let's like show like the same three black dresses compared side to side. Or like the fact that like making salads, like, like there's like, I now have like 5 million, like salad recipe ladies who are getting promoted to me like all the time because I probably like spent like a half second looking at one of them um and so it's just like it, like I just started noticing that experience but then I, I was sort of seeing how it was bleeding into other platforms um like and weirdly for me the av what am I saying Avril Levine the Adam Levine thing is actually what really crystallized mm-hmm. it for me was that I was just seeing all of these memes where people were posting Adam Levine screenshots for I guess anybody who doesn't know him like flirting with Instagram models. Um, and it was the one where it was like, oh, you're so, you're yeah. that body of yours, like whatever. And people were just posting memes where they would put like, I don't know, like a picture of like a chunky dog or like a picture of a, of a popular book. And then they'd be like, oh, that body of yours. Like, and it was just like, none of these are good. Like, I'm <laughs> seeing this constantly. It's everywhere. So many people are doing it. But they're all terrible and they're all boring. And it's very clear, like, they're like, and they're all kind of the same. They're the all same kind of like wholesome, adjacent, like inoffensive meme. 
um, that then gets like 20,000 mm. likes. Um, and I'm seeing, and again, like I'm seeing constantly, um, again, against my will. Uh, so that's, that's sort of the like longer version of what was happening. It was just sort of piecing together that I was just seeing in a lot of places and then just sort of thinking, okay, like, why is this happening? Especially when it almost seems counterintuitive that you do have more people using the internet than ever, more people on social media, but also that people are like meme literates and like content creation mm. literate. Like people know how to make a quick video or they know how to open up Canva or like, you know, post like a series of like images that then create a meme. And so why then in the same way that like countries with lots of people have like tend to have better football teams, why then is it that like there isn't at least like a really good quality of posts like rising mm. to the top, even if a lot of it is looking the same? Um, and so that was like what made me want to write that piece and kind of like figure it out myself, I guess, like why I felt like that was mm. happening. I, I think probably like probably part of it is that uh, meme literacy has spread outside what people think of as like traditional internet users so um like there are definitely like there are definitely people I know who I would think of as very very just like very normal people um who quite often will like post something like will post something on like their Instagram or something like that which is like which is like all about how like they're never off the internet and then it's a meme which is like four years old and you just think well you're probably not on it that much but uh, which is which is which is like obviously fine it's good it's good and I have absolutely every single piece of respect for people who have managed not to let it contaminate but um one of the because one of the things that I've been thinking about is that um that the delineation between kind of digital space and real space is something which is becoming uh more and more of a sort of specious delineation particularly uh, particularly now that now that twitter is so much part of the media infrastructure um and also um in many cases sets uh sets policy agendas and talking points uh both in both in kind of politics and and the media like quite a lot of stuff that you hear politicians saying particularly in the states but here as well um are things which kind of which originated from originated from posting like even i would even argue that the current um the current kind of transphobic capture of British politics and media, it's it originated from posting. It's all from kind of radicalized posting hubs. Um, so I'm I'm starting to wonder if the if if digital space is um so permeable with real space. I think people are starting to think of real space as an extension of digital space rather than the other way around. And I think that this is what uh, that this is what uh, produces uh, the way that people behave as if somebody just existing in public uh, means that it's acceptable to make content out of them. So people who film strangers in public, people who like go up to strangers with like with like their tic with like TikTok out or whatever. Um, a good example of this was something that I saw the other day, which is this girl who said, "Oh, if you're called this and you're from and you're from this area." Uh, I'm sitting on, on the train next to your boyfriend and he's cheating on you with your sister. And obviously this went like mega viral and all of the responses were, oh, you know, you're doing the work, you're a queen, etc. And all I could think of was, this is an insane thing to do. This is an awful antisocial thing to do. Also, the girl who did that then did a follow-up where she posted her PayPal. 
being like, oh yeah, so I've got a lot of like, got That's a lot like, of men yelling at me. So like, if you want to give me some money, it's like, no, 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 no. Like, it's not nice to have people yelling at you, but also this is a really, really strange thing to do. And, and it's sort and it, and it, so the, so the social relations have been infected to sort of to the point where somebody who, you know, somebody who you used to work with is posting memes on Instagram and you know for a fact that they are not a meme person. They're somebody who has like seen this stuff maybe on Facebook, maybe they got sent it by some, like maybe they got sent it in like a kind of WhatsApp group or something of the sort, but they would think of themselves as spending all their time on the internet. And I think that that's what it, that's what it comes down to. So it's like, so something like meme creation is no longer the preserve of this very particular kind of sensibility and symbology. It's for normal people as well. And that's had a kind of diluting effect on the quality. Yeah, I think like for me, I, like I completely agree. I think that is like a big part of it. For me, I think like what seems to have tipped and I think TikTok probably is like mostly to blame just because I think it started there and it has reverberated onto other platforms. But I think like kind of like you said, there's like a social element and then like an actual like the tech element, which I think like the tech also informs the social. But I think it's that like, like, you know, my like mid fifties aunts were posting Mm. like Minions memes, um, like in the early 2010s. And I remember when I very briefly worked in advertising, my like what I would have described then as like my (laughs) normie colleagues um, were saying that they were like huge memers because they were like looking at like BuzzFeed (laughs) listicles and like reposting like uh, gifts, um, like Oprah gifts. And they were like, oh my God, I'm such a memer. Um, And so, but I think like, it's almost like the, the, the difference for me is that now that people can actually make them now, it's almost like this kind of like, floodgate opening of people who have been there who have like been consuming this stuff but like haven't known how to make it and suddenly they're like oh i can and so then like we almost have this sudden like mass flooding of like the social media market so to speak of like really low quality content and then also which like we can talk about more in depth then you also then have algorithms Mm. that see that kind of content the algorithm picks that up and goes that's what people like and then the algorithm just pushes yeah. it more and it's sort of this like self-feeding cycle and it's kind of hard to mm. break through on that. Um, and I think it's why, like, I think I fully believe that there's good content being created, um, but I just think it's yeah. much harder to push through um, when there is so much of this other stuff. And, yeah. that's, like, and also I think that as, as well, because of there now being like very, very few sites and they're all owned by the same, they're all owned by the same kind of conglomerate. So everything is chucked into this kind of soup and is all sort of there there together and that's sort of and that's sort of erased what used to be the case which is that if people are making really good really fun really interesting smart funny whatever stuff then it could it could very easily go big in their small siloed space but now because of the just like the sheer proliferation of content it's it's much harder for things which is a little bit more esoteric, a little bit more abstruse, mm. to make to make that to make that kind of an impact. I think that might be part of it as well. Yeah, yeah. I I, I was Sarah. I was like thinking just about what you were saying about. 
I know, like, I don't think democratization is the right word, but the idea that, like, anyone can suddenly, like, make this content and also... Multiplicity. But, yeah. And also just because, like, the platform's kind of... So I, I've had very limited experience with TikTok, but my understanding is, is that, like, you can make a fairly decent TikTok video without too much effort. And, <clears throat> right. Yeah, and, like, that's So exactly the design the is very much there. And, like, I keep... Uh, when I think about, like, last year, and I, I don't know, like, how prevalent it is now, but in the sort of, like crypto nft booms like web free stuff there were lots of kind of tech people that were talking about like the next stage of like the digital economy would be like the creator economy and the whole idea was that everyone would kind of become content creators and you know you can go onto like youtube and tiktok and all these places and one of the sort of like get rich quick ideas or one of the sort of like how to make money like at home ideas is to literally just go become a content creator with the argument being that like it's now so easy to do that and even if you don't want to do video, you can just do these very kind of like uniform LinkedIn posts, which are so, which are so uniform that you can now get an AI to basically do it for you. Um, so there are like lots of layers kind of coming up, which are kind of encouraging the uniformity of content on the basis that like, well, the platform rewards like certain things being produced on mass. So rather than try to be innovative or unique or to even just like think creatively, it's actually much better for you just to kind of like mimic people in the short window and the key to sort of like doing well online like in a mon mon in a monetary sense is to sort of get get in on the trend when it's early or at its or it's at its peak um and i was wondering what your thoughts were on like how you think this shapes our relationship with like social media and posting more generally um but also like how you think that has had like has that had an effect on like just the type of content that people now see on their like oh you know on their feeds um i don't know whether like being able to access like really interesting and creative stuff was like much easier to do like say back in the early 2010s compared to now but i do wonder whether like the when we talk about like, the relationship between the creator and the platform um and how that's sort of unspoken and the creator sort of has to be intuitive about what the platform wants it's very it might be very easy for them to think that like well if I'm going to make a living doing this, which is what I want to do, then rather than like, I may as well just sort of like mimic people and like get in on the trends early. Yeah, I mean, I like I completely agree with everything you've just said. Like, I think how I sort of see it is like there's like a couple of different vectors at play. But I think the main ones are that like, first off, there is this belief. And I think it is in large part, part thanks to TikTok, because you can go viral so easily, because it is very easy to create a following quickly. And as you say, you can do it by kind of just making like the exact same stuff that already exists on the platform and like, you know, a multi like multiple numbers of ways. And obviously that was the case for like the influencer economy on Instagram. Like when you think of like traditional, like fa fast fashion influencers, whatever, but I think it's way easier on TikTok. Um, and just cause you can go viral much more quickly, but I think there is this like kind of newfound social belief that if you can, you should, um, and that everybody kind of can, if they, like, everybody should be allowed to be famous or the opportunity to be famous, at least by, like, the standards that social media has set. Um, and so I think there is this really big drive. And yeah, as you say, like, it's literally, like, um, kind of being given as, like, business advice that, like, it's very easy to do this. So why not go ahead and do it? And then also you get, like, all these, like, fun benefits of being famous, um, which if you, like, see that as fun. Um, but then I think the other layer then, as you say, is like then because there's this huge drive, there are obviously very clear incentives by the platforms themselves because of that algorithmic sort of system that I already talked about. Um, 
where it is much easier to get followers very quickly if you use a sound that's being used repeatedly, if you like do a dance. Like I know these are like cliche things to mention about TikTok, but it is still very much true. Or even like a sketch or like a voiceover kind of thing. Um, it's just, it's, it's very much the case that that's a very easy way on TikTok mm. to then get followers very quickly. So I think you kind of have this, first off, this social drive that like more people should be doing this. And then once those people kind of get to the gates and they see what's available, the most obvious thing to do is to just mimic what's there. And I also think like, which I said in that piece, and I don't mean to be like an asshole, but I think actually we need to be assholes about this is like, most people are not (laughs) entertaining. Most people are like not interesting. Mm -hmm. They're not creative. And I think we actually need to like, as a culture, talk about that because like, that's part of the problem here is that you have people who are just because every average Joe now is told that this, this. If you can do it and if you work hard enough, this should mm. you should be allowed to have this yeah. as your future. But it kind of misses out the fundamental point that yes. this is meant to be entertainment. This is meant to be fun. This is meant to be creative. This is meant to be engaging. Um, and most people just do not have that in them. So that also feeds into the like, oh, well, just like, again, like make an account dedicated to salads because I've seen that like people that make yeah. accounts dedicated to salads. To be fair, like, I'd, I'd follow an account um, dedicated and that's to like salads. Actually <laughs> yeah, because well, I was, was going to say, I'm, I'm less offended by like, weird sort of salad accounts then yeah well yeah versus like fashion like i'm just like another fashion influencer yes. posting the same Shein haul or even just like i'm just someone doing like like voiceovers yeah. and literally nothing well, vid- else i'm yeah. just doing like video video li- podcasts are like a really good example of this as well right because i like one of the things that i'm really fascinated by are like kind of old og youtubers who like made their name on youtube or like vine or whatever and they were doing like vlogs and stuff and like you know, the vlogs were like, they weren't for people like me, but they, you know, you could make the argument that like, okay, Logan Paul, like doing like a big, like uh basketball dunk in his like massive mansion could classify as entertainment, right? Like there is an argument to make there. And then when they sort of realized that like yeah. doing that stuff is really expensive and it also has like negative externalities in the sense of like, I think that like one of the reasons he stopped doing the vlogs is because his neighbors were getting really pissed off that like all his friends were coming around all the time and doing all this stuff. So oh, yeah, and then, yeah, like when when yeah. these other vloggers kind of realize that like, oh, I'm spending a lot more money than it's worth to do this type of stuff. Why don't I just sort of do a video podcast instead where I can kind of like use my existing infrastructure and like the longer that goes on, like the more ad revenue you get, which is why these podcasts are like two, three hours long, even though like they absolutely don't need to be. I genuinely um, don't understand the point of video podcasts because right. like I feel like it is fundamentally misunderstanding the I, medium because I like I listen to shows when I'm cooking, cleaning, walking, etc. I'm not going to sit down and watch a video. If I was going to do that, then I would watch something else, I I think. Yeah, no, I mean, I get what you're saying, but what if you wanted to watch a podcast about engineering disasters that also had, like, a video component in the form of slides? I don't know, I think that would be pretty cool, personally. And I think whoever edits that... It's probably very handsome. The kind of commercial, I was going to say the commercial argument for them, sorry. I was going to say the commercial argument for them is that like they have multiple revenue streams in like one cheap product. So you have Mm. like a long podcast that you can sort of listen to when you're doing your chores or like at your desk or something. But then they can also chop it up and turn them into TikToks or like reels. No, no, sorry. I I understand. I understand. I I understand like the commercial argument. I don't understand who it is that's watching them. That's what I don't. That's what I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand who is like setting aside time to sit down in front of a video podcast. But then again, I don't really understand who's setting aside time to sit down in front of a video essay. So 
maybe it's just that it's I just can, not yeah. it's just not the kind of thing I like. I mean, I, I kind of see it like like I got promoted today, like one of those um like four hour like classic, like four hour like study yeah. jazz like channels. And it had like a slideshow of like the creator had made this class, like this is very common, like like digitally rendered like coffee shops that were like uh, like yeah. autumnal. Um, because I obviously like accidentally clicked on like a pumpkin spice thing <laughs> and that's, like, when I'm getting promoted. Although I actually I actually condone um, pumpkin spice. Um, but anyways, I'm from Ohio, so it's fine. But like, I like I was thinking that like, why are the like this is meant to be played in the background? Like, why are there images? But I do mm. think there is like an argument for the image being engaging. But like on the low budget thing, like that wasn't something I put in the piece. But it's like subsequently something I'm really annoyed I didn't because I also think the theme with all of these is that they're like mm. intentionally low budget. Um, because I think that you see that like on TikToks, even like. Um, one of the things I mentioned was like front-facing comedy videos, front-facing camera comedy, which like my friend who I think has actually been on your podcast, um, yeah. much I know she has, Rachel Connolly, um, the writer. She wrote a really great piece for the LRB. Yeah, she I think did. In yeah, it was really good. About, yeah. Like, yeah, a great piece about like those comedy videos and just kind of how they're very like, they're very popular, but like don't actually do anything. And like also again, like, like let's just say like most of the time are like mm. not actually funny like the bar is the floor but like like the the fundamental thing that aligns those videos other than they're shot on a front-facing camera is they're always like yeah. mega low budget and like on tiktok that's also what thrives and i think there is this like again like aesthetic incentive to like go for that for whatever reason like i don't really i don't really know why that emerged i guess you can say it probably emerged because there probably was good content mm. being made that was low budget um and then people just like aped it into oblivion. Um, but yeah, like that's also like part of the fundamental aesthetic of all these things, or even like, sh- like intentionally shitty photoshops, which like, again, is probably born of the like, kind of like drill-esque, like it's intentionally bad and that's what makes it funny. But like, I think it's just low budget in this case, where like, again, like it's just like lowest common denominator. And, it, and also, as I said, easy then to do yourself. And then I think that's what proliferates yeah. that know, as a result. Um, just picking up on what you said about them being low budget, I think I think I think part of that is um, is that it kind of demonstrates the kind of the very fragile uh, balloon bursting around um, kind of older forms of content creation. So like so so YouTube. So taking YouTube as an example. So. Um, the kind of the original YouTubers and the original vloggers, part of their stock in trade was making it seem as if they were a friend of yours. That was sort of part of it, particularly stuff that was aimed at kind of young women and and, and teenage girls. Um, so like the kind of you know the days of sort of Zoella and that kind of thing. Like part of it was this um, was this kind of well, it was the beginning of the parasocial relationship. But part of it was the actually no, I would argue that that started a long time ago. But like it it was definitely part of the. Exactly, it was a new chapter of the of the construction of parasocial connection, and there was and there was always going to be a kind of very fragile balance between um, between people being under the impression that this is basically their like cool older sister or their best friend giving them makeup recommendations, and also them when they became um, something which they could be a kind of product in and of themselves to partner to brands and to work for brands, then obviously things are going to get glossier and glossier and glossier. And then I think at a particular point, they could no longer, uh, they could no longer sustain the impression that they were just ordinary people filming in their bedroom. They were obviously now rich people doing high production value 
brand brand work so that balloon kind of popped and so now we're kind of back down at the bottom building back up and so what is popular is this very kind of low budget stuff that can trick you into thinking that this is just a person that you're friends with and that you know and I just wanted to pick up on another couple of things that you said Sarah because I thought it was really interesting what you were saying about particularly about most people not being entertaining and this not being something that actually most people can do as a job and I think part of that is the absolute disappearance of hobbies as being something which people expect to be able to have if anyone is halfway good at something they're expected to be able to monetize it which I think is really sad um I like I um a little bit like during um during the first lockdown I got back into um kind of drawing and painting again which I hadn't done for kind of years and I suddenly had the time to do it um and I posted a picture of um of a drawing that I'd done and I got more than one message saying you should like make and sell greeting cards and I was like but I don't want to I just want (laughs) to draw my little pictures just say drop your like and move on (laughs) leave me alone selling greeting cards um so I think that's interesting as well and I also think that uh content creation is a very specific thing which um marks it out from other more kind of traditional kind of cultural forms because everybody is both a creator and consumer by participating in the creation economy even if all you do is follow you're still making your own posts and so you're still creating as and consuming at sort of simultaneously and i think any argument against um against uh the kind of the proliferation of like uninteresting um kind of low value low interest low humor content it's it's similar to kind of an argument against mass culture but like mass culture obviously can be good like there's no reason why mass culture shouldn't be good but what is always low in terms of quality and value and aesthetics and meaning is mass cultural juggernauts so if so if we like look at the kind look at tiktok as being like the disney of content creation because of its because of its kind of giant tentacle like behavior it is inevitably going to be producing an ineffective low quality watered down culture in a way that if there is mass culture but that has been being produced by a number of smaller um smaller entities um there's still there's still like the capacity for like high quality work i think as well like on that point like i completely agree and i think like the problem with social media is that it's not like it's not mass culture in the way that we know it i guess like in other forms it's it's that like for example if you're going to make a video if you're going to do a zara versus shein comparison video um, you're not doing that for like a hobby or for fun. Like, like 99.9, like sure, maybe there's like one woman who is doing that. But like most of the time you are doing it in pursuit of this like viral fame that this app has kind of promised you. And so I think like that's the problem as well is like you can't have posting on TikTok as like this like benign hobby that like brings you like positive energy and is just something you do for yourself or whatever like I think it inherently it doesn't have to be I guess but like realistically that's like what the purpose of it is and so I think that's part of the problem with it is that and and also as you're kind of saying like the uh, the other problem is also that the algorithm then 
also brings that stuff up to the surface. So it's not the kind of case where, okay, sure, a lot of people are trying it. And sure, plenty of like, like shitty content has been created and like risen to the top of like any media form for a very long time. You can talk about like this problem in digital media or like in TV, whatever. But like, but I think like disproportionately social media does allow for like really banal stuff to rise to the top. I mean, even like when you do look at the top creators, like it's like, I know this is like a cliche point to make, but like Charlie D'Amelio does like, like dances that are like kind of break dancing, but not really. And like, that's like your number one person. And so like when that's the, when that's the system that, or when that's the incentive and that's like what does well, it's not just that, oh, it's like people shouldn't be allowed to like post. It's that you're, this is the, this is the end point that you're trying to post to. And this is what right. this system yeah. rewards. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to those kinds think, yeah, of that's posts. exactly right. And I mean, even like, I, I don't mean to like ramble on about this point, And I also need to like <laughs> calm down when I talk about this guy, but like, I think Francis Bourgeois is actually a really great example of how this, how the system works. And, and he is better than most content. I would say he is at least a bit different from most content. But like how this then also informs culture outside of social media. Like he has had a show, which is going to be like a social media based show, but like Channel 4 have commissioned a show from him. And like all he ever has done is just like scream at trains. And while that's like wholesome and nice or whatever you want to say, like it's it's not actually, in my view, and I know that like people will crucify me for this, but like it's not good content. And it's like, and but that's how he was able to rise is just because people were like, aw. Um and like a couple of other reasons, which I will not go into now, but like, you know, like it's, it, I, I think it's this yeah. kind of lowest common denominator. And also like, again, like I'm like, oh, he's better than the rest of them. But I'm like, come on, this is yeah. still boring. This is still boring. This still is like no value. Even if you like love trains, are you really going to be like, this is the best or even like, even like the medium level of train content I could find online? No. And yet, and it's not, and let's get real. It's not train people. That no, like I, don't think, guy, I, but I don't think it is. Like, I think they're angry at that guy. So well, they spent a long time calling him a poser. Yes. And like also that he had got a lot of his facts wrong about certain trains. I mean, <laughs> I honestly could go on about, I honestly really could go on for an hour and a half about just this guy. But anyways, like, but, but it's that kind of thing where it's like that kind of content. It's not actually that good. It doesn't have anything that special other than like trains and like he wears a GoPro. Um, and like, again, some other stuff that I won't talk about, but like that rises to the top because it, because the system rewards banal content. And again, like wholesome, whatever, which is also like an element of all of this, that it's like inoffensive and like not requiring any of your brain energy. And then, and then that as a result of becoming popular on social media, then informs the wider culture. I'm doing a lot of gesturing, um, but it, in, it informs the wider culture. And then the impact then like almost like mm. trickles down on the other side. And it's this horrible cycle where social media does get to have this impact that yeah. isn't just online, um, which again, makes me sound like a poster in like a like high school classroom. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where it really drives me nuts because you can't log off and and no, I mean, this is very much the thesis it. of the show that you can never log off, even yeah. if you actually log off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm conscious that like we are running close to time, but I wanted to ask you like one. I, don't, I just like it's like a final point because I was thinking about so one of the things that is the, the through line of like one of you of the piece that we're talking about is really like how a lot of the platforms that dominate the internet kind of all have like the same vision of what the internet should be and it's like very kind of like narrow and limited and like i think this sort of idea that everyone should be a content producer 
is very useful to them in terms of like justifying their value um without having to necessarily like have to engage with like the actual cultural output that they are um that they are producing or that they are at least hosting onto their platform or make Uh, it make it worthwhile yes money wise yes because that like that's like that's part of it that there's that that there's um, yeah they can get away with a lot of it because if there's a lie that proliferates which is that if you manage to rise to the top then you will be rewarded in a material way as opposed to in an intangible way Mm. but particularly with tiktok that's like as far as i can tell practically impossible to do because your money comes from and we've spoken about this in other shows like your money comes not from the platform but it comes from other like it comes so so the platform likes to position itself as a facilitator and that its value is actually in its algorithm and the idea that the algorithm and as you mentioned in your piece like the the idea of like the algorithm about having to define how it works or even what it looks like presents the idea that like this is a level playing field and anyone with like a front-facing camera which is most people in the world like has the chance to be the next francis bourgeois or whatever and i feel like the logical kind of like endpoint or at least kind of like the attempted endpoint is something that Elon Musk has kind of like come up with as he now has to reckon with the idea of having to buy Twitter after like fucking around for so long, um, which is that his idea is like to create this thing called X, which is like the everything app. And I think we've spoken about the everything app a little bit in a previous episode um, where, you know, and for people who don't know, the idea of the everything app is like you can kind of like get your Uber, get a delivery and be racist online, like or just in one app. You don't need to like switch through things. Um, Does it invent submarines? I mean, probably, yeah. Like, it's supposed to do everything. So the idea being that, like, this would sort of revolutionize social media by, like, centralizing everything and, like, you know, there'd only be one bit of hardware. I do find it really funny that, like, all the kind of must supporters, at least, like, the ones that the, the very unhinged ones, are the ones who, like, talk very openly about, like, you know, the new world order and, like, the one world government. But they also, like, simp for this guy. Who like it basically openly says that yeah you will only ever own one device and I will own everything on it and you'll just be very and you'll be happy with that anyway that's like that's that's just like a line for maybe like another episode but that's and- like but that's like that's like relatively normal that's like that's like the kind of that's like the kind of the Q line as well like they talk about like wanting to be free from tyranny but they just want to be able to select the tyranny yeah yes yeah, <laughs> yeah I think that's well I guess like the, the 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 thing that I sort of wondered was like. I don't think Musk is going to do, do this, but I certainly feel like the kind of like mood music is heading towards. And the metaverse, I think, is like a, is like an interesting first example of what this wholly centralized system would look like. Um, and I wondered like how, what, like what beyond like yeah, it will suck. Like I I wondered like what like how you thought like this type of like further monopolization, how that do you reckon that might change our relationship to like what we view online? Like will and. I, I guess, like by extension, if everything if everything does just become more centralized, will we be having like more serious discussions about like like um, commercial relationships with the stuff that we produce on this platform? Like, do you think that this will like change the way that we think about the internet? Or I know that's a very big question. You also don't have to answer it. Um, no, I no, I think it's I think it was really interesting one. Well, it's funny because like I was actually just kind of writing about this today, um, like this morning, and like like it's almost exactly a year since. Um, Zuckerberg announced, like, did the like little metaverse video with like all his t-shirts changing and stuff. Um, and they like changed to be meta instead of Facebook anymore. And so I was kind of thinking about this, but I, and I actually like, I hate being like a really massive pessimist about everything. Oh, go ahead. Because <laughs> um, like around that, like around this time last year, like I wrote a piece for the New States when I was still like on staff that was like about how like the future that billionaires want is like really ugly and like really boring and like lame. And yeah, like you say, like it's obviously would suck. Um, and I think that what I wrote then 
well, to be fair, even then, like, I think I can't actually remember what I concluded, but like, I, other than that, it would suck. But like, I think I've always thought people are probably just going to buy into this because I think like they've kind of bought into everything so far. But I actually mm. kind of believe that more now because I think that, although I also wonder if there is like eventually a breaking point, like, I, like essentially, okay, let me actually coherently say what I'm talking about rather than like cutting myself off every three seconds. I think that what we're seeing now would indicate that people are just going to kind of like accept this, like this blandness of the internet and like the idea of this like kind of like monopolized space online where it's like, obviously it would suck. It'd be boring. I kind of think there's a certain level of like, I don't care. And I accept it that I think like did come from like, I mean, you could like talk about Cambridge Analytica and like these kind of like more boring, um, kind of like tech cultural moments where people said like, okay, I don't actually really care that much. Um, however, I do also think that like there are enough people that are feeling like disenchanted with social media. Like I think there is like a growing sort of idea that it's not actually fun to be online. Even for online more, we're not actually enjoying it a lot of the time. Um, and I think like you can see, I mean, even like this week, what, what I was writing about was like Kanye bought Parler. And while I don't think like Parler is going to become like some giant like megalith that's going to like like destroy free speech in all forms, but like I think this like pr- like private ownership, especially by these like particularly like unhinged kind of billionaire figures, um, I do think that people are going to start going, okay, I'm not actually sure that that should be the case, and I just don't think they've had to really. We've had that like cultural reckoning until really this like Musk Twitter thing has happened. So I guess like my extremely long and like convoluted answer is that I the hopeful side of me would say that there will be a breaking point. Like even for me, I'm like, I'm hating my Instagram experience, even though I'm like on Instagram more than ever. And what I think will happen is probably I'll use it more and more and more. And then eventually Mm. one day I'll go cold Mm. Turkey. And I think that other people are going to have a similar sort of thing where like, and where, you know, without kind of warning and despite the stats saying that they're actually like using Instagram more than ever or any app more than ever, they will just say enough is enough. However, I kind of realistically imagine that that will be a small group of people compared to the group of people who will go, oh my God, isn't it so great that I can like get an Uber and like order a takeaway in one place or whatever. And isn't it like, I mean, I think the metaverse is slightly different because I think there will be, I'm not sure how many people will actually, um, Mm -hmm. how many normal people will buy and stuff, but who knows. Um, But yeah, I kind of think that these, yeah, like when it comes to these like monopolized spaces, especially when they are like privately owned. um, And also I think like, I, I don't think influencers as a content creator thing will like mm. that, that will change eventually. And so I think like, sorry, no, 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 like no, so long. Um, but like, I just, I think that at the end of the day that there, it's kind of like there will be enough people that will be disenchanted with it and will not, and will be critical of that kind of stuff. But I think there will also be enough people who will just go, I don't actually really care that much about the power dynamics or the, or the concentration of power. And I just want convenience. And, and also like, I want yeah, to be in the I, th- I think that, I think there'll be more people who are, um, who are interested in the convenience than there are people who want to be internet famous. Um, but I think it'll be enough. I think, honestly, I think it'll be enough people to sustain it because I, because yeah, I that's honestly kind of what I think can't too. imagine anyone who i know who i don't like who i don't originally know through online one way or the other even knowing what parlor is like i think that's like i think that's like that's a kind of niche bit of kind of esoteric kind of online 
online knowledge and i think that the kinds of people who will be driven off social media are the kind of people who already who already care about the idea of of like billionaires buying up digital infrastructure to be their kind of like personal ideological mouthpiece and i think they're the people who are going to stop using it and then the people who um find endless comic endless kind of comic possibilities in that body of yours is absurd uh the ones are the ones who'll be who'll be sticking around and who'll make it kind of worth it i mean like if you if you I mean, maybe that's yeah, the maybe. win-win is that like there can be like a normies internet and then there can be like yeah. the rest of us. Yeah, that, like, might, that, might, that, might, that might be nice. Anymore. I mean, like, I mean, if we, if we, if we look, look at kind of analogy from, uh, from kind of more traditional media, there has never been a successful substantial backlash to Murdoch. <laughs> well, th- well, exactly. That's actually a great comparison. I think that is kind of like, and I, and I think it will, it won't just happen all at once. Like it will happen slowly in that same kind of way where like an empire will be built like piece by piece. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where I think people are just, it's, it'll be too big for someone to like, for the average person. Yeah. To truly I, th- care I think that might be right. Well, that's, yeah. that's, that's an extreme, that's an extremely, uh, um, typically upbeat note for us to uh-huh. end on. We yes. are, we are, running, we, are, right. we, have we, are we have run out of time yeah, now. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for like, just this really great episode. And we'd love to have you back on in the future. If people uh, want to follow your work, how can they do that? Yeah, thank you. I'd love to come back on. This was great. Um, I am on Twitter. I'm on everything is at Sarah Manavis, and by everything I mean Twitter and Instagram. So you can follow me there where I post most of my work. Um, and I also have a website if you're like really boring and want to read the highlights via that, which is sarahmanavis.com. Okay, great. Yeah, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of 10,000 Posts. We really appreciate it. As mentioned, you can follow me at hkazvani on twitter.com. Uh, Phoebe, do you want to do your plugs? Uh, yeah, you can request to follow my Twitter, which is locked, but um, you can request to follow it um, at prhroy on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram at phoebe underscore rose underscore holly. Yes, I know I need to organize it so <laughs> everything is the same name, but you know, uh, who has the time? Um, you can practice your first name and spelling. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can use it to practice the diphthong. It's right in the middle. It's really easy. Um, it's basically like a baby, like a, it's like a kind of baby name. Like it's it it should be easy. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, you can also listen to me and Milo's Seinfeld podcast, which is Masters of Our Domain. You can follow it on Twitter at Masters of Pod, where we post the episodes. Uh, this show is produced by Devin. You can follow them at Devin underscore on Earth. Also listen to Kill James Bond. And then finally, uh, just a re- reminder that we do have loads of cool bonus content. Patreon.com forward slash 10K post podcast. Five bucks a month, you get lots of really good stuff. And uh, yeah, you help us support the show, which means that we can do uh, really great conversations like this. Um, until next time, we'll catch you later. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.